Thanks for tuning in to Americana Music Profiles. It's Season 3, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine in print and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com online. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's join in on another great conversation with one of the Americana Music Industry's super talented artists. Although Kim Robbins' recording career started a little late in life, she's now on to her second project featuring 12 songs on the new album, Raining in Baltimore. She is my guest for this edition of Americana Music Profiles as we talk about her new music. Hi, Kim. Welcome to the podcast today. Hi, how are you? Thanks for having me. Yeah, good, good. Glad we could get together on a uh, Labor Day Monday. I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule to talk to us. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. So um, I was looking over the um, bio information on your website, and it sounds like you've kind of had a very interesting career and career in music, to say the least. Yeah, definitely. It's been, uh, the last year has really been uh, crazy. Um, I started out as a child singing with my dad at the age of five, and then kind of lost music for about, I guess, 30-some years. Wow. And then found it, yeah, found it again when I was in my 40s, and it's just been going crazy ever since. So tell me about the early part of your career getting involved. I, I, um, I, I was reading where your dad was, was very involved in music um, for a lot of his life, and, and that was how you got exposed to it originally, and then you had some really neat things happen in your first half of your music career. Yeah, definitely. My dad, he actually worked a full-time job. He was a service manager for Oldsmobile, but he also had a weekend band. And he originally started in bluegrass, probably in the 60s. And then in the early 70s, he switched over to country music. Country music was pretty popular at that time, and a lot of little small theater venues Mm -hmm. around the area. And uh, he would play every every Saturday night at at those theater venues. When I was about five years old, I actually, this is a memory that I actually do have of of being that young of an age, sitting in the front row at a theater in Ligoti, Indiana, and looking at my dad and saying, one of these days I'm going to be up on stage. Wow, that's cool. I I said that to my cousin. So um, by the time I was about, probably right at about six, I uh, actually started singing uh, two or three songs with my dad's band. And it just kind of, you know, from there, when I got to be about eight years old, there was a venue in uh, Nashville, Indiana, called the Little Nashville Opry, and they opened in the early 70s. Hmm. And I auditioned for that, and I became an original member of the Little Nashville Opry. That's cool. And and we they had, like, Opry regulars every week, mm-hmm. and then they would always have a big star like Loretta Lynn or Conway Twitty or... Oak Ridge Boys, Barbara Mandrell, oh, yeah. whoever those those big seventy country music stars, you know, they were there every weekend. But there was a disc jockey who was the MC for that uh, for that show or for that venue, and he worked out of Indianapolis, and he really liked me and my dad. And my dad was also in a little band that appeared at the at the Opry as well. So I was singing as a regular, and then his band was also playing. But this disc jockey liked me and my dad really well, and he would have us open for all the stars across, uh, like, you know, Missouri, Illinois, oh, Ohio, cool. Kentucky area. Yeah. And, yeah, he was kind of a promoter, and so I got to open for all of these people. 
and it was just a really great childhood. I got to sing at George Jones's club when I was just a child down mm-hmm. in Austin Holler in mm-hmm. Nashville, and, mm-hmm. and and then life happened when I was a teenager, and I started to kind of, you know, stray away from music a little bit. And I, when I was a, I guess a freshman or a sophomore in high school, I got a boyfriend, and then he was a musician, so I was kind of following his career mm-hmm. more than I was actually singing myself. Mm-hmm. And then when I became a teenager, when I was about 19, and my first year of college, I actually had my daughter. Okay. I gave birth to her really mm-hmm. early and decided just to give music up and to go back to college and to uh, you know give her a good life. And I got two degrees. I got one in fashion merchandising and one in nursing. And that's what I did for all of these years. And then in early 2000, I met and married Butch Robbins. And mm-hmm. Butch was an ex-bluegrass boy for Bill Monroe. He played banjo for Bill Monroe from 1977 to 1982. And we got married in 2002. And I just started finding myself at a lot of bluegrass venues again and being around music again and just kind of longing for what I had as a child and I hadn't thought about music in years but I started you know really missing it like you know I'm watching all these people up on stage and I could do that I used to do that (laughs) so I started writing song the first song I ever wrote was in 2007 and some of my early work is pretty bad I'll be honest (laughs) with you Uh, I started writing songs and then that led to me just wanting to put some songs down on a CD That, Mm -hmm. that was my only intention and the gentleman who engineered that project thought that the songs were good enough to bring in some good musicians. Mm-hmm. So we ended up calling Michael Cleveland, you know, nine times, ten times, sure. the player of the yeah. year, IBMA, yeah. and Jeff Guernsey, who had played for Vince Gill, and then Butch, my ex-husband, came in and played banjo. And I ended up uh, self-producing that and putting it out on uh, just kind of my own. I didn't really have a label. I just kind of made up a name, you know, for a label. Right. Sent it out to a bunch of just to a bunch of disc jockeys and that's kind of where how I got to where I am today people liked it and I uh, ended up getting to meet a lot of really great disc jockeys along the way mm-hmm. and the disc jockeys introduced me to people and I finally found my way to Ron Stewart and Ricky Watson who agreed to produce the new album in the, uh, Pine Castle then picked that up and it's just been kind of a you know just this one after another um you know, wonderful thing that's happened yeah, yeah. in just the last uh, last couple of years. So the 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 album that you were speaking of, uh, I guess the the first one for you was titled Forty Years Late." Is that correct? Yes. And yes, that was that was the self produced album. Yes, that's yeah, correct. Yeah, cool. What was it like um, getting to to do that? I mean, during the time you said you. You know, life happened. You put everything on the back burner. Did did it creep in from time to time, or were you really kind of over it during that season of your life? The, the only music that I actually was doing would would be if I went out with my girlfriends and we went to a karaoke bar. Uh-huh. So, and that was really it. You know, I and I I guess there's kind of a local musician here in town, a, another female artist that went ahead when we about the time that I stopped as a teenager she went on to actually achieve a lot of great things and she had a number one song for Reba McIntyre and you know there was always kind of a little envy there mm-hmm. you know, the two hometown girls that one did something with her music the other one really didn't yeah. so 
I guess that kind of drove me a little bit, but really I was just so busy with life. I was a single mom and I was just trying to raise my daughter and, and give her a good life and try to pay bills and, and you know, it, it was tough. So there wasn't really a lot of time for me to do music. So, but you know, I love to do karaoke still. <laughs> <laughs> That's always fun. So what was it like getting that, uh, getting your first record in your hands and realizing that you actually did something that was a almost a childhood dream at, at one point for you. Oh wow, that was such a great, um, just a great moment. It, it took a long time to finish that first CD. I really wasn't in any real hurry, and the gentleman who was engineering it, he had had some health problems, and and he had to go off and work for a little while in in another state. And it really was just it just took you know I was anxious to get it out at the same time, but you know, it, it just was a process trying to get mm-hmm. the musicians in and it, it, it just takes a while to make a CD. And, um, my father ended up getting sick in 2012. He got diagnosed with congestive cardiomyopathy uh, and mm. his heart was barely functioning wow. and it didn't look very good. So I had just, I called the engineer and his name was Richard and I said, Hey, I need to get this album done. I want my dad to be able to hear it, especially sure, the song yeah. 40 Years Late, because I wrote that song about him. Yeah. And uh, so we put a rush on it and got it done by about December of 2012, and then I put it out in February of 2013. And my dad did get to hear it, So, and he's still around to this day. He's doing wow, really great. So we've gotten awesome. to hear both albums yeah. now. Yeah. What was his reaction to the to the first album? He was really proud. He, you know, he uh, he has some some health issues that don't allow him to really process a lot of things anymore. Uh-huh. He's had to have a shunt put in his brain, and so I don't think he fully understands sure. the grasp of what I'm doing now with my music or how successful it's actually been. You know, he'll he'll ask me questions about it, and he did just see a an ad in a magazine of where I was at. He's real proud of that. He shows it to me every time I'm over there. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, but he, he was definitely proud, and, and he told, told me good job, and that's all I really, you know, that's sure. all I was looking for. Yeah. Did you guys get to play uh, any in the, in, the, in the reincarnation of your music career before he was unable to participate that he way? He actually he actually plays on the first album at the oh, end. Oh, Okay. My yeah, my ex-husband and my dad went in and just just kind of just jammed around a little bit uh-huh. on what a friend we have in Jesus and shucking the corn. Uh-huh. And I didn't really let him know he was being recorded. Okay. He knew that we were in a studio, but it was it was it was I, I don't know how he he never really recorded in his career, so. He was a little nervous about it, but I just said, "Hey, Dad, just run it a couple of times, and let's just get a couple practice practices in." And yeah. we actually recorded one of those without okay. him worrying about the stress of that. So, so, so yeah, it came out really good, and I, that that to me is like the most exciting part of all of this process is that my dad is actually on a CD. Yeah, so that was actually his first uh, uh, first time of being on a recorded project then. Yeah, he uh, he always just played in bands. They never went in and did any kind of recording or anything. Yeah, that's neat. So, that's so, cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that's a great story. So tell me a little bit about your songwriting. Was that something that was was part of you, uh, your your 
the first half of your journey, or did that just kind of come about when you got the music bug again? Well, I never really fancy myself a songwriter. I do have framed here on my office wall a song I wrote when I was a little girl called Living in the Country, and it's pretty bad. And uh, <laughs> it looks like it says 1977. And, <laughs> and then I wrote another song back about that time called um, My Mama Said I Got No Tune, and it didn't ever, you know, go anywhere either. So. <laughs> um, but um, I guess in 2007, I really was inspired. I had, um, and this is never been a secret, you know, I, I've talked about this in public before, but I met a man at a bluegrass festival. I, I had divorced Butch, and I, you know, I was single, and I'd met a gentleman at a bluegrass festival here in Indiana, and I just immediately fell head over heels for this fella. Uh-huh. And I found out later after that relationship, you know, ha- after I had already become invested in the relationship, I found out that he was already married. Oh, no. And okay. and that affected me in a way that it just opened up a whole, just a whole new person. And that's where I really started writing my songs, my early songwriting especially on the 40 years late are about that relationship uh-huh. and how it made me feel and since that time and I, I have written a song since then called the end which means i will never write any more songs about that that whole relationship uh, okay but but most of my songwriting is is all personal the the new album raining in baltimore that was about being in baltimore for a conference and missing my family and uh-huh. missing my daughter and and we got caught in a rainstorm, me and a coworker, and and so I'm not a songwriter that can just write a song unless I've actually lived it. Right. Okay. I don't. I don't have that gift. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on that, and I'm working on being more, doing more co-writing type of things, which I've, I've got to co-write with Shannon Slaughter, and uh-huh. I've got to co-write with Don Kenny and David Morris, uh-huh. who are two top bluegrass songwriters. So I, I am working on developing that, but I'm so busy, I, I just don't have a lot of inspiration sometimes or time to actually sit down and put my inspirations on paper. Right. I've got a lot of little voice recordings on my cell phone <laughs> of, of, you know, really great starts to songs that I just don't ever have time to develop. Right, right. So the, the Raining in Baltimore, how many songs, is that the only original that you've pinned on there? I wrote three. Okay. okay. Yeah, I wrote three. Okay. And that's been out for you how long? That actually came out July 21st okay. of this year. So, so it just came out. It's a little over a month, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cool. So what is it, and we were talking earlier, and you're still um, working a, a full-time daytime position and uh, trying to manage music in in the midst of that what is a um what is touring that album playing that album out what does that look like for you well i've been actually pretty busy with my band i took last year off um from a band and you know my my band situation has always been very tough i live in indiana and uh it's not really the you know, the hub of bluegrass music, if you will. Uh-huh. While there are pickers around this area, they're not on every street corner. So right. sometimes it's kind of tough to keep a band together. And um, so, you know, I really tried over the last four years to keep a band together. And um, it was tough. So I took, I just decided to take 2000, I guess 2016 off uh-huh. from the band. And my band members went on to do some other things and, and joined other bands. And I decided to reform the band 
at the end of last year. And I finally, at this stage of my career, have a band that is all 100% in. They're motivated. They mm-hmm. help promote the band. They learn the songs like the record. You know, it's this is just like the best time in my music career for my band. And that's my next goal yeah, is to do cool. an album with the band okay. and get them get them working because mm-hmm. we're just having such a great time right now. It's it's so fun. It is it's exhausting. I have two lives because I don't use the Robin's name in my work life. I'm remarried. So I have to, you know, flip a switch from Thursday yeah. <laughs> to, <laughs> to Sunday. I'm Kim Robbins and then from, you know, Monday to Thursday or Friday, I'm Kim Gines. So it's, yeah. it's tough. I'm I'm trying to balance it all. Now, will you will you go out to, on on tour for whatever that that means means something different for everybody but will you get a chance to tour with this record um i'm hoping so that's definitely the plan you know in bluegrass music we don't really quote tour right we just we play festivals and we go wherever we need to go but i'm, I'm working a lot in the ohio indiana I, I did play arkansas earlier in the year and uh you know that that is ultimately the goal to to work more dates uh, definitely a couple of years ago, I worked about 40 dates and mm-hmm. still maintain a full-time job, but I wasn't, I was close to home most of those, most of those shows, but you know, I, and, and I've been asked this before, would I step away from my real job? Most definitely yeah. at this stage of my life, I would say, yes, I would step away from my real job if I had the opportunity to, you know, do 80 to a hundred dates a year mm-hmm. or, or even more, you know, that, that is something I would do. But that's not quite in the cards yet, yeah. unfortunately. Is that <laughs> is that um, uh, a, a goal you're working towards, or is that something that would be more, that would be great if it happens, but not necessarily on the agenda at this time? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely on the agenda, but it's so difficult to do. There sure. are so many bands in this industry now, and, and you know, it's it's tough to... The thing about having a project like I have and when you have A-list super pickers on that album is the promoter wants to know, well, is that the band that I'm going to get right. when I when I book you? And, and I have to say, well, no, this is, this, these are, you know, this is the boxcars. <laughs> they're not, they're going to go out as the boxcars. So, right. so, you know, that the promoters are a little bit nervous about what kind of a band they're getting until they actually see you. Sure. And once they see you and realize what a, you know, how good you sound or what, or if they see that the crowd's reacting to your show, then you get booked from there. And that is just now starting to happen. Right. The more that we play, cool. uh, you know, live with my current band, the more that we're starting to get some interest from promoters. And I think you mentioned that you, you would like to, to get in the studio with your current band and, and do a new project. Do, do you have music that you're already working up for that, or is that something yeah, that's going to... We, uh... Yeah, we're actually starting to gather some material right now. Some of the couple of the songwriters that I used on the the Reading in Baltimore album uh-huh. have sent me material, and a couple of radio interviews that I've done uh, disc jockeys with some disc jockeys. They there were songwriters that were listening to those interviews, right? And they have sent me material, and a couple of them are top songwriters in the business, and the material is very good. So I am starting to. Um, uh, haven't officially started, you know, putting aside a song, but I am starting that process mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah, and yeah. I have a couple already in 
in uh, in my you know that I've written already that will be on that album as well. That's cool. So the the album that that is out now, second album on Pine Castle is called Raining in Baltimore. If people want to get a hold yep. of a copy of that, they want to find out more about you. What's the what's the best route for that? Well, they can go to um, www Kim Robbins, and it's just one B, so it would be R-O-B-I-N-S okay. dot com, and you can pick up a CD there at my website, or you can go to pinecastle.com. I'm on iTunes, I'm at Amazon.com, so just about anywhere you can get that CD. Uh, probably CD Baby, I haven't necessarily checked CD, CD Baby, but I'm sure that it's there. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I've actually seen a couple on eBay already. <laughs> <laughs> They were on eBay and it hadn't even been released yet, so I don't really know how that happened. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, in in this tech world, it's hard to tell. <laughs> I know it's crazy. <laughs> um, it, tour schedule on the website? Uh, it is. Yeah, we actually are finishing up. We play next Saturday, and then I've got a couple at the end of October, and that that is it for me as far as the band touring. I will be at IBMA this year. I've, okay. I've been nominated for a Momentum Vocalist Award. Awesome. And I was picked to be a part of the Songwriter Showcase, which is a very big honor. They have over, I think, 400 entries to that Songwriter Showcase. Wow. And they only take 10. Yeah. So I was picked as one of 10. So I'm excited about, about doing that. And that's the last week of September. Yep. Okay. Good. Well, if they can't catch you... Uh uh, can't catch you in, in the region, then, then folks that will be at IBMA can certainly catch you there. And uh, we yeah, wish you the best definitely. of luck, Kim. Thanks for taking the time well, to chat with so us. Much. Yeah, you're welcome. Great. Yeah, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.